0: Hello everyone and welcome back to the Wonky Adult Handbook podcast. You are joined here today as always with your host Emily, Amateur Adult in Process. This is a place where we rant, swear and share our sloppiest stories of adulthood whilst trying to navigate some topics we feel are important. So, if you are an adult and you have no clue what you're doing or even who you are, Trust me, you have come to the right place. Today, I have a really important and prevalent topic for you all. Um, Very recently, uh, a friend of mine kindly reached out and offered to share his story of growing up as an Indian-British man in London. I think that this is an incredible opportunity for this channel um, for two reasons. Uh, Number one, I think it's really important that we are able to learn more about systemic racism and how it affects individuals. Um, And number two, um, embarrassingly, I've recently discovered that I know very little about his culture and he is a really good friend of Um, mine so I think it's about time that I learned something. So before I introduce you to the lovely guests of today's show um, I do want to do a quick disclaimer and speak about something that I think relates quite importantly to this discussion. We have been hit by the horrific COVID-19 crisis for almost a year now, but more tragically, um, that is not the only crisis that we've had on our hands. Um, For centuries now, there's been an issue of uh, systemic and brutal racism. Last summer, a 46-year-old African-American man named George Floyd was tragically murdered by a white police officer. the footage is online, it's very easily accessible. Um, shortly after this, there was a spark in a movement that d- did already exist. It's called the Black Lives Matter movement. This uh, movement was founded in 2013 in response to the tragic uh, death of Traven Martin. And its goal essentially is to eradicate white supremacy. Um, I'm not gonna go into too much detail about um, the movement as obviously I'm, I'm not part of the organization, but you can learn some really, really key information at blacklivesmatter.com slash about. Uh, I hope you're all well, and yeah, let's get on to the episode. So today I am joined with Kishan, who, as I just mentioned, is a really good friend of mine. He is going to be sharing his personal experience of growing up as an Indian British man in London, specifically speaking North London, and we are going to be, yeah, sharing and comparing our experiences a little bit. So, would you like to go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone?
1: Yeah, um, I work for Imperial College as a cancer research technician. Um, sounds fancy, but I know, but it's quite boring. Um, I just collect human organs and freeze them for research. Um, I'm currently working on some COVID research and hopefully that should help some of you out really soon.
0: Nice. So Kishan and I actually met through mutual friends We're part of the same friendship group. So we've known each other about three, four years now, I think.
1: Yeah, it's been a while now that I think about it.
0: Yeah, I thought he was very sarcastic and rude when I met him, but I like him a lot now.
1: Uh, yeah I did think Emily was a bit basic when I first met her but she's really not
0: I remember you saying that to me and being like oh my gosh you're actually not basic
1: <laughs> yeah I remember you saying you're not just really sarcastic I-, I think that's when we became really good friends
0: yeah that moment Ah, oh, I mean I do come off as quite basic to be fair and you do come off as very sarcastic
1: <laughs> not intentionally that's a hard part I mean trying to sound normal but sounding sarcastic instead is quite tough <laughs>
0: how long have you lived in London
1: um I was born and raised here yeah um for school and uh yeah apart from university I've lived here all my life
0: yeah same well I wasn't actually born here I kind of moved here when I was four years old do you do you feel like your experience um in London has changed like do you feel like London's changed a lot over the years because I feel a lot like it has
1: oh yeah massively I think it's for the better like I don't know where you grew up but or where you moved in from but where where did you go where Where are you from
0: I'm a woman of the streets mate I'm from Wood Green, Turnpike Lane area <laughs>
1: Oh, that is a tough area. Yeah, because I remember when I was growing up, like, if I wanted to go watch any Bollywood films, or if my parents took us to watch any Bollywood films, Wood Green was the only cinema that showed, like, Bollywood films. And, you know, you had to be a bit. Careful, like when you went. So, if we went, it was either during the day or late at night. And my parents always parked right next to the entrance of the shopping centre. So you go in, watch film, and the car was close as possible.
0: Yeah, my house is nice, but I've got quite nice neighbours. I'm um, we're doing we've done all right with that. We found a nice little patch. Um, but yeah, no. Um, I'm I'm from green so I. I feel like green's become a lot more like gentrified um, and yeah, there's obviously a lot of uh, kind of like not everywhere, but there's some poverty around this area. um, And I feel like it's not really benefited those people necessarily. Um, But then I guess it's kind of helped like for the economy and stuff, people are launching like new businesses around and that that's really good and positive. I think it was one of those areas whenever I had like a house party like the really cool boys that I used to invite that I fancied would always message me like I've asked my mum if I can come but she says I have to bring a chaperone. That's not a bad experience I I didn't know that you used to come to the cinema around here to watch Bollywood films that's really cool I, I like literally I don't think you've ever told me that before. Yeah yeah. Yeah that is so like how on that note how would you like describe your experience as like as a, as a good starting point, how would you describe your experience as an Indian man growing up in London? I know that's a very difficult question to answer in like like one go, but I guess if
1: you can think of
0: yeah one way that encapsulates that experience, what would it be?
1: Um, I mean, it, it's been good. Like, I don't have any major traumas to speak of. Like, I haven't been stopped and searched by the police. I haven't faced much racial abuse. I mean, maybe because it's London or don't know. Like, I feel like I've had a, a pretty easy ride compared to most people of ethnic backgrounds. I think some of it's down to luck. I think some of it's down to the decisions my parents made when we were growing up. Like my parents moved house just so they could put me and my sister into a really good state comprehensive school. And, you know, that was like one of the best decisions they decisions they made. Um, we, my mom applied for this school and um she knew some other uh, parents who had applied for their children as well. Um, and this acquaintance of her, uh, she was a white lady, very nice. Um, no qualms, like nothing against her or anything, but you know, her son got in a week before my sister and my mom knew the catchment area, like they were on the edge of the catchment area. And, uh, so she, she was a bit irate and uh, she phoned the school up going, um, so-and-so's got in before me and before my daughter and why haven't I received any notice? And so my mum rang up the school going, is this a case of racism? Do I need to report it somewhere? And within a week, my sister had her acceptance letter.
0: you up for your mum, that's amazing. So would you say that your parents brought you up in a way that um how can I phrase this better would you say that potentially your parents um experiences kind of impacted the way that they chose to bring you up so obviously this isn't something I know much about but maybe they they had a like a certain experience growing up and then they were like okay this is how we can try and make life easier for your children that kind of thing
1: I think that's definitely a factor like I don't know about your parents but my dad was Still fighting Skinners when he came to London, I'm thinking like thank fuck, I don't have to deal with that, like growing up, nothing seemed out of the ordinary I'd-
0: yeah, it's really interesting actually, because my mum um she grew up in- in in the north of England um in quite what we'd consider to be a very racist area now you know, very like um do, like white dominated you know a lot. Um, I often forget the fact that London is in England and that London you know it's it's a very liberal city obviously there's loads say of like, like extreme racist views in general um but I, I feel like generally there are there's a lot of like youth culture here and you know there's a lot of diversity but if you go to other areas of England it's it's not like that at all. Um, and I always get really confused by the election results when <laughs> they come in oh, and I'm like, I like oh. forgetting that, like, I'm in a really multi- multicultural area of um, England. it does make me think, like, would I be more racist if I live somewhere else? And that is an uncomfortable thought. But, um, yeah, my mum grew up um, in a really, um, yeah, a really, really, uh, like, kind of uh, white provincial in- Part of England. And, um, you know, they use terms which I'm not going to repeat here uh, to describe, you know, Indian people who ran corner shops. I'm sure you're all aware of what they are. Um, And um, she used to hear them a lot um, and she kind of just thought they were normal. And it's really interesting when she was like eight or nine. But at this age, if she heard me saying that, she'd throw me out the house. It's really interesting how the area you're in can really impact the way that you see the world. Because obviously if you're living in a really, really, really secluded white area, you're only going to hear those views. You're only going to hear that you're you're not going to have a, your your moral compass won't extend beyond what you're around. And I think that's what's really, really dangerous. And she really wanted to get out of that. So she went traveling, you know, she met loads of different types of people. She moved to London. She was like, I want to bring Emily up in an area where she's able to think for herself and kind of expand and, you know, learn more about other people. I don't just want her, you know, sitting around eating scones and, you know, watching white television. <laughs> I wanted to actually like try and, um, uh, what's the word, like extend her mind a little bit. Um, and I do think that's that's an active choice that she 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 only developed once she went travelling because she was more aware. Um, so she's definitely made the decision to try and make me, uh, I don't know, more diverse in my thinking. Um, that's definitely a privilege that I've had that I think a lot of people growing up in other areas of England don't have. And it's nice to think like, oh yeah, my, my ideas are all my own. And like, um, but actually, I, I do think you know we're a lot more naive to our surroundings than we think.
1: Yeah, I mean credit to your mum because she could have easily stayed where she was and, you know, brought you up in that environment. But I, th- I think that's one thing we're both grateful for that our parents have the foresight to move, and make the, d- the decision for us.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Like, I think it's interesting. One thing I'd really like to like look into as well is like our difference in education. Like, obviously, you know, you've said to me prior to this discussion that you face some level of microaggression, not just from um, like white people around you, but also like members of, I don't know if you said members of your own family, but um, other Indian people use like using terms like you sound white and and stuff like that. I thought you mentioning that to me was really interesting because I actually wasn't aware of that.
1: Yeah, like when my family say, it's a running joke. Like, it's funny. Don't get me wrong. Like it's a private joke, but when white people say it, it's like, what what do you mean? Like, is there a bar that I have to pass? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it just sounds weird. Or like, what does a brown person even sound like? I mean, if you put two people on the phone and spoke to them, I don't think you could tell where someone's from. Like, yes, there's accents, but you can't tell if an ethnicity off the phone, like that's just stupid. So the fact that I'm standing in front of you somehow, it seems o- like it feels okay for you to go, oh, you sound white enough. is almost like Kurt for going, you're almost as good as me. And like when brown people say, it, I don't think it's, well, they kind of say it as in like, oh, you're well-spoken, but you also sound white. Like you're, you are white. Like it, it, it's a double-edged sword. It is weird. Cause I mean, it took me a while to realize and say actually i don't know what you mean when you say that
0: did you find it difficult to even once you started to develop that sense of this isn't quite right or maybe you always felt that it wasn't quite right do you find that difficult to kind of combat in in discussion with people that you don't know like um do you, do you feel pressure to kind of keep the peace and, and not speak up sometimes and say like um actually like that or i guess what i'm trying to say is does it take a lot of energy to um challenge comments like that even when they're men um, they don't think they're being racist
1: i mean i think it's very easy to do so like it can get very awkward very quickly talking to people of the same ethnicity um but it's kind of like the analogy of like um you know black people saying the n-word and then you hear other people other black people saying you shouldn't really say that because if you say that then it gives license for other people who aren't black to say it so it kind of puts it on the same sort of level so like when a white friend or acquaintance says says it it's like yeah that's very low-key racist of you isn't it that's interesting
0: yeah i don't think i've heard that point before i i, I i've
1: yeah mm. yeah and also it's a bit like the american civil rights era like back then you know if you had white people supporting you it's like you know, this is a just cause, like, you know, we've got white society behind us, but now it's like, hang on, I don't need the approval or the acceptance of white society to make my point.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I think people do definitely need to be told. Um, but yeah, like I think in, 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 in response to that, like in terms of microaggressions like that, that are kind of buried underneath compliments, as you say, or, um, Can pass off almost as like a compliment or not racist but are very racist um I as a as a young girl I I'm ashamed to say it but I think it's really important to say it for this for the sake of accountability I definitely used like um phrases like that um I had one of my best best friends um I used to say to her like oh you know you sound white and it was when we were much much younger um, and one day she just turned around and was like, can you just stop saying that? Like, I'm not white. Like, why are you saying it? It doesn't make sense. What does it even mean? What does what a white person doesn't have one voice like this is ridiculous. Yeah, um, it's almost like, oh, great, this movement, this movement carries weight because we've got white approval. Like, I think now you're completely right. It seems to be. Yeah, like, would would you say that that's something that you felt in relation to your life over the last few years that like, you don't need that approval anymore?
1: Yeah, I'd say it's more like, um, not approval, like acceptance. But it's just, I think it's more of a feeling of being accepted and like belonging to a group. Like, like I'll be honest, I probably have maybe a few more white friends than I have brown friends. And I don't think it's got anything to do with race. I just think it's got to do with the people I get on with like skin color has nothing to do with who I'm friends with it's just you know who's there at the time and who I get on with like most of our group as you know is white and that's got nothing to do with anything apart from the fact that we all get on really well like when I was 13 14 like most of my friends at school worldwide but like i had asian friends and like acquaintances but it wasn't the fact that you know i didn't want to be friends because of brown it's just i had nothing in common with like the main group of asian lads in my year
0: ah that's interesting you speak so would you you so you'd say that you you just is there a reason you think that you have nothing in common with them or do you was it this just those particular asian boys that you just didn't click with like, Yeah, it's it? just
1: those boys I didn't really click with. Like, one of my best friends, and I've known him since, like, day one, his parents are friends with my parents, and and we're still best friends to this day, like, despite him being on, on another continent and, like, being in a different time zone, and there's nothing holding back our friendship. Like, you know, it's, like, friendship has nothing to do with race, but, like, I can't speak for every brown person, but, like, when you're chucked out of your comfort zone and you see someone with the same ethnicity as you, so, say, I don't know, a black kid sees another black kid at a new school, you know, the automatic assumption is, I'll go and hang out with them, they must have something in common with me. I'd say, like, that's more for other people rather than myself. Like... I've been lucky enough to have some sort of privilege in my life but I think like
0: okay yeah like as I said before you sound like (laughs) I mean I already knew this about you but a very well-rounded you know self-reflective strong person um but like just out of curiosity if you could give an could you give an example uh from a time in your life where you were racially stereotyped or where you did experience that. And like, what was your reaction to that? Like, how did that feel?
1: In secondary school? Yeah. Like a weird insult. And I'm sure you've never got this, but it's like when I was younger, so I was like, oh, you stink of curry. And I thought that's fucking weird, isn't it? Cause you know, everyone loves a fucking curry. Like I like choose the insult and stick to it. I mean, you, I stink of curry and you hate it or you love a curry and you don't mind the smell like it's just weird
0: I mean yeah you're completely right I found that there's a huge narrative that exists um around white people just picking parts of culture that they like and adopting it for themselves but not fully accepting you know what comes with those aspects like so they for example you know at festivals wearing like a a bindi and and celebrating that as part of their attire and as part of like you know partying but not taking the time out to understand an Indian person or a a Bangladeshi person's culture um there's definitely a lot of that like a lot of appropriating the parts that they like and dismissing the person (laughs) or the community um so it's it's interesting to hear about that also obviously Really, quite distressing, but it's such a common issue. Yeah, I think linking to that, there was definitely a sense of when I when I was younger. Um, I definitely, obviously, I wouldn't have been able to, you know, eloquently understand what it meant in my head. But there was definitely a sense of okay, a white person likes that aspect of an Asian person. That's cool now, um, and that that's okay now. That's acceptable now. Um, whereas before there would be like an aura of like, I, I don't want to say xenophobia. I think that's way way too far fetched. But like mystery. I know that's a horrible word to use, um, because children are obviously I think a lot more unfiltered, a lot more playful. You know, they are a lot more dynamic in their thinking. They don't really care about, you know, whether they 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 get messy or whether they um, say something that sounds off. So they're more likely to kind of directly question things. Um, and I think as a teenager, you you learn to repress that and you learn to, you know, hold that in. And for me, as a as a as a kid growing up, you know, I I would always ask people about their cultures when I was little. You know, I'd always be like, oh, my gosh, like um, you're eating this. I don't have that at home. What's that like? Oh, I'd, I'd get quite excited about it. I'd be quite curious. And then when it was kind of when I became a teenager that I started to realize like, oh, OK, like there's there's this aura of kind of um what's the word I'm looking for discomfort around um certain cultures that that weren't like mine and and I started to kind of feel feel that on my back more and and that that was when I'd say I started to kind of develop um yeah like racial biases and stuff like that um and it's only now I think in the last two years that I've started to try and dismantle those ideas and I'm still really far away from that
1: Um, Yeah, no, I I agree. Like, kids have no filter. And I think sometimes that can be fucking amazing. And, like, kids don't say stuff without hearing it first or hearing the idea first. Like, I think kids are definitely a sounding board of their parents and their environment.
0: So would you say, relating back to the feelings that you had when you were a child um, about, you know, you, you used the example of smelling of, like, curry and stuff, did you ever speak to your parents about that? Did you feel like you could talk to your parents about that?
1: Um, I'm sure my parents at some point just go, just ignore them, and yeah, like I had one kid in year six call me Curry Boy, and it just Carol going Curry Boy, Curry Boy, and I was like, right, like even at that age, I knew that's not a joke. That's like, that's racism, and I'm not I'm not a snitch by any means, but you know. You tell a teacher when something that's serious or, you know, when you feel attacked, you you tell a teacher and uh, he turned around to me and said, oh, can't you take a joke? I was like, no, because it's it's not a joke. And what if I was racist to someone else? What if I was racist to you and called you a cracker? Like, you know, it wouldn't be acceptable. So why should it be acceptable for you to think that's fine? Yeah, like. I think my parents definitely gave some good advice, but to be honest, I, I just don't remember blatant racism. Like it wasn't in my face. Some of the, like most of the time.
0: Interesting, you know, because you you seem quite strong minded even as a kid. Would you? Because you you mentioned at the beginning of um this discussion that your mum you know really fought for you to go to the best school and and really picked up on um you know um hints of racism when when your sister didn't receive a letter. Would you say that your upbringing really um. Helped you adopt a strong mindset in relation. Yeah, I, th-
1: I think my parents definitely gave some good advice, um, but you know, I haven't, I haven't faced much like blatant racism in recent years. Like it's not been you know shouted in my face or anything, but, um, but like some of the racism I faced was being more like socially outcasted in certain situations. Like, I used to go cadets as a kid. It's funny, because I loved going. And then the more I went, the more the staff... I loved going. And, like, the more I went, the more it slowly became apparent, like, the staff picked on me. And, And, like, the staff would, you know, they'd promote other kids and praise other kids. But them, you know. but I never really remember any of that. And, yeah, a, a friend of mine also who was there, who was brown, when the end, we both felt roughly the same sort of, like, attitude towards us. But, I mean, the kids, like, who were with us were fucking amazing. Like, they were good kids. Like, you know, if I wasn't doing something right, they'd be like, "I'll oh, try this or do it this way. Or like, they're always like, oh, we're going here. Do you want to come with us? Like, oh, Mackie's after cadets. Sure, why not? Like, you know, they're good kids.
0: Yeah, and yes. kids learn from adults very quickly because they want to be impressed. They want to be, um, they want attention from them. You know, they want to feel nurtured. So it would make sense that a child would see that going on and then adopt those behaviours because they go, okay, this is what will get me the right sort of attention. This is what will help me receive love. And it just breeds like yeah. That is really horrible. So in, in relation to kind of like socialising and, and um maybe like skipping on to a few years, how would you say that um this has impacted your dating life?
1: Uh, yeah, I think that's a really good question. Um, at first, like when it came to dating, I was like, maybe I'm no good at talking to women. Like maybe I'm just fucking awful. But later when Tinder became a thing and, you know, swiping right for anyone I thought was attractive It's got no attention whatsoever. And at this point, I'm thinking like, people have to have some sort of unconscious bias (laughs) because, by all means, I'm not like, I'm not Brad Pitt, I know, and I'm not like the hunchback of Notre Dame, but you know, I'm somewhere in between. I'd like to think I'm fairly good looking. And like okay. as time time went on, like sites Bubble and Tinder and whatnot. And you know, I'd sit there going, fuck it. I will swipe right for everyone. And well, not everyone, of course, but you know, and I got I got nothing back. I got nothing back from these apps. And and I got like zero conversations back, zero likes back. And I was talking to a colleague of mine who works in the same hospital as me and for contact, she's black and she's noticed it too. And she's felt the exact same thing, like from those apps. And it's like everyone wants tall, dark and handsome or, you know, blonde haired and blue eyed. And like growing up thinking, yeah, I'm relatively tall, darkish skin. I'm handsome. Yeah, fuck it. Why not? Like tall, dark, and handsome is like fuck it, yeah, that's me. Like I, I fit, I fit me, I fit the mold. But what people neglected to tell me as a kid was, no, when they say tall, dark, and handsome, they want tall, dark-haired, fair skin, white skin, and handsome. So like, I definitely think there's a bias, and like in recent months with COVID and everything. Talking to my friends, and they're like, "Have you had like I asked them, have you had any luck on Tinder or Bumble or whatever?" And they were like, "Oh yeah, I mean, we've had a few." Like some of them were like, "Oh yeah, we we I've had a few dates or a few walking dates." I'm thinking they're like, "I've got a few responses, but nowhere in the frequency of you guys." And I think like the algorithms are definitely like a reflection of society.
0: Yeah, of course, you're a handsome guy and I think, yeah, it it must have been quite startling to have felt, like, so isolated from a dating app and to have that hunch that, pardon the pun, hunch, and to have that hunch that you, there was just something wrong with you, like, as you said, like, it just doesn't make sense, but then it links to a bigger problem that exists. I think, um, what am I trying to say here? I don't think I'm like anything like incredible, but I'm aware that like I'm considered to be a somewhat attractive, pretty white woman, like in the very basic terms. I'm privileged because of how I look um, and I see myself in the media a lot. I see how I look in the media all the time. um, And in that sense, that's a massive privilege. I've never had to think about, you know, like is someone gonna like reject me because of my race? That's never crossed my mind in my life. Um, I I thought, is someone going to reject me because my body's not very good or I have other issues, you know, it doesn't correlate, but I think my point is that there's definitely embedded racism.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Like, I'm not saying you per se, but like, say if Roy was a different ethnicity, like, would you still go for him? Like, if you know what I mean.
0: Because I feel like... Yeah. Um... hmm. So, obviously, like, I hate saying, because obviously people have types, right? People do have well, do types. People do co- different ethnicities. I hate, I used to say I love black guys, but I feel like the reason that sounds problematic is because, one, it sounds like I'm fetishizing a race. And number two, like, you know, like, Africa's a continent. There's loads of different, like countries in that and it's it's like for example I really fancy I tend to really fancy like guys that are Nigerian or Jamaican like do you know what I mean but it's not going to be every single person that I meet so I I try to stay away from saying stuff like that because I do think it can sound like I'm fetishizing or like a little bit yeah um the truth is I don't know if you look at most of my exes I mean they are white like um a lot of them are English and white and middle class like so there's definite. there's definitely a subconscious bias there like I'm not gonna like completely deny it um but on that note I wouldn't I definitely do swipe guys of other ethnicities when I'm on dating apps like it's not something that puts me off at all like I you know I would be honest it isn't um I don't think I've I've dated one Asian guy um I think he was a yes he was um he was a Korean um he and it didn't last very long, but I think that's because he didn't like me that much. <laughs> so, yeah, but there's definitely a subconscious bias there for sure. Um, all of my exes are white, um, and that does say something about me,
1: yeah. And that's like that's just the thing, like, and that's like something I going to raise. Like, subconsciousness is subconscious, like, and if you think about it, like. Like, I'm not saying every white person person should consider dating someone of another ethnicity. Like, fancy who you want It's none of my business. But it's just the idea that, you know, subconscious racism is there. Like, it may not be there for you, but it may be for your friends. And it, it's definitely, like, something worth talking about with your friends. Okay.
0: On that note then, what is your type? What do you look for on dating apps? Do you look do you do you ever find yourself swiping people of the same ethnicity as you? As you?
1: Yeah, I mean, why not? Like question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I swipe on pretty much anyone who seems attractive. Like, you know, if she looks pretty, like yeah, why not? like i do have a type and i think it's hypocritical of me to say that no i don't have a type i'm perfect you know i have no bias but god um you know someone who looks like they has a life together like whose pictures don't make them look like you know their life's a mess
0: <laughs> not me <laughs> mean I quite like someone that looks a bit of a mess at first like I like someone that's a bit ruggedy but you know they have their shit together deep down so how what would you say was like a turning point for your confidence for you then was it you said it was like in in your 20s so within your early adulthood what what would you say specifically that was um, that turning
1: I'll be honest I found my confidence quite late like it was late university type, and like you know I had flings and stuff but that was about and like university was starting to wrap up and like people knew like you know you're not gonna be serious with someone that's you know that you've only known for a few months like it's just the reality of it i think it was like the realization of um you know if you don't do anything you're just gonna be lonely and you know at one point it's like fuck it like talk to someone what's the worst they're gonna do like what's the worst someone's gonna say
0: oh my gosh well it sounds it sounds like you found your feet then um but yeah so like your approach to dating you say now is just kind of waiting for the right moment and hopefully yeah um just being accepted for who you are i guess i i think i think it's i think it's not a bold statement to say that you know it's really not um you that it needs to change. It's it's the world, and you know the sadly the world is is kind of moving at turtle pace. But I I would say like there have been some changes since our parents you know were growing I up.
1: I think there's been massive amounts of changes, country, and like some for the better, and some not for the better. Um, I was reading a Facebook article uh, the other day, and the article read migrants welcomed into Britain. And I started to read the comments uh, associated with the story. And it's just a bunch of white people going, oh, we feed them, we clothe them. You know, they get more help than our war veterans do and kids in care. It's like, don't comment. You have no idea what it's like to be a migrant. You have no idea what it's like to be a war veteran. You know, and it's like... Those comments are bad enough, but the amount of people writing the same stuff with the same sort of rhetoric is just mind boggling.
0: What is. I wonder why people have. are so, like, married to their racist views. Like, people seem almost offended. It's, it's, like, absurd. It's like holding on to, like, an idea of. Of being British yeah like a security it's like I can't let go of my baby and I I've always wanted to know where this comes from because I I just think it's not only is it obviously just incredibly disdainful and harmful and you know it's 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 inhumane but it's also just so like absurd you know there's a level of absurdity to it like I, I just you mentioned about you know immigrants, and migrants coming over, people people almost acting like like they've been they've been slaves to helping people. Like actually, you know, we've not done very much for other countries in a, in a lot of ways. You know, we've colonization. Our history isn't looking great. I mean, so I've heard that you you might have heard the quote, "We killed George Floyd," and um, it was something that people were kind of a lot of white people were kind of reposting for a while, um, and I reposted it. And what I meant by it was obviously you know I I. I didn't physically commit the murder but I I um contrib- my silence contributed to you know police brutality in another way because um by not you know acknowledging privilege and by not a- acknowledging you know um the level of power that and space that a white person just naturally upholds in the world you are you are just silencing the issue You're- especially like as you know we're we're, we're so we're so we're becoming so called like you know woke and everything sometimes you know something that's often discussed and something that was discussed a little bit when I was still training at drama school um was the fact that often it kind of almost feels like um you're ticking like um a diversity quota box like um, like you're almost trying to like tick off you know, oh, okay. Well, we've we've got one person, we've got one Indian person, you know, working for this company. Um, they can be, you know, headline. We can headline that, and you know, it will, it will, we'll get loads of money through marketing and that kind of thing. Um, what would you say is the right way to kind of approach, um, including diversity without it looking almost like a fad?
1: Oh, I, I think that's a very odd thing to answer. I'd say, well, the thing is, I've seen. People of my ethnicity, well, not ethnicity, like my colour, brown people in all types of positions of power. But I, I think it's often neglected that, you know, it's a neglected view of like, we've filled our quotes there. There's a person of colour in there. There's a brown person in there. He's a manager. But it's often neglected to see that, you know, not all brown people are the same. There's Bangladeshis. There's Pakistanis, there's Indians. And India's a massive place. It's pretty much a continent hiding as a country. And because, like, it's such a big country, there's different ethnicities within India. So, I mean, so many. And, you know, each state of the country has its own languages, own food. But I'm not saying go learn about everyone. Uh, But, you know, learn the difference from a Sri Lankan to a Pakistani. I mean, I think people appreciate, you know, people of, or white people going, ah, you're not just a brown person, you're Sri Lankan and, you know, oh, do you celebrate such and such? Like, talk to your colleagues that are brown, like, you may be surprised to learn where they're from or, you know, where their parents are from, I mean sure they've got some some new information to tell you some interesting stories and heck i mean let's face it brown people do have good recipes
0: (laughs) on that note then my um initial premise at the top at the beginning of the intro was to learn more about your culture what would you say um a common misjudgment what would you say is a common misjudgment that is made about your particular culture, recipes. religion?
1: I, I think the most common question I get is, oh you speak Indian, don't you? And it's like no, no, I don't. I speak gujarati I speak Hindi. Uh my parents speak almost three or four different languages that are spoken within India. Like it's it's a massive place. And just like ask your friends like you know, what do you celebrate? Like, for example, I celebrate Diwali every year. And it's like one of the big things of the year. So typical Diwali up until obviously last year, because um, 2020 was a write-off, um, you'd wake up super early and put on your best clothes. And, you know, the, the whole family would come round for breakfast. And... Um, You know, there'd be cheese on toast. There'd be chai. Uh, Don't say chai tea because that's just the same thing. And then we'd like, we'd go to all the cousins' houses. And it's just like a traditional way of, you know, wishing them prosperity by going to their homes. And then we'd (laughs) wait for the money. (laughs) So basically, like every uncle and aunt would give you some money and, like, as a kid, that was the best day ever because, you know, I could make 60 quid in a day. And as a kid, like, that's a lot of money. Um. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, that is pretty sick, to be fair. It's a kid's dream.
1: Yeah, yeah it is. But it's a really tiring day. Yeah. hold, oh, no, but the sweets and the food, it's just relentless.
0: Ah, thank you for sharing. Is this something that you you talk to your white friends about generally? Like is this something you discuss? You know how we white say, well not just white people celebrate Christmas obviously, but for example like me I celebrate Christmas and and that's, you know, a common festive holiday that's do, spoken about. Do you about. feel like you you can have that same discussion with your friends?
1: I mean not that Yeah, I mean if someone asked, but you know, it's not ever come up in conversation.
0: Yeah. It's really, inter- it's genuinely really interesting to learn about as well. Like I didn't know anything about a Diwali I, and obviously I knew it existed, um, but I, I, didn't, I didn't know what a day looked like. And now I do, it's like something new that I've learned about you, you know, it's such an important part of your life. It's a huge celebration. And I think it's almost weird that I didn't know that, mm. you know, what's one thing that you could ask white people to do better in relation to this discussion? Because a lot of my listeners are white. So what can they take from this? What can they do better? Including myself.
1: I'd say learn about different people's cultures. Because, you know, in the old days, when you were called a Paki, it wasn't because, you know, like, it was majorly, like, racist. But it was like the fact that you don't know the history of, let's say, India and Pakistan. There's massive conflicts behind it. Massive, like stories tragedies behind it and to you know be called your rival is just offensive but obviously that's just from the old days but then that also makes you feel like oh you're just someone in the corner like you're just a brown blob in the corner like if a, if a white friend to, said to me oh how is eid is like how ignorant are you i don't celebrate eid Oh, it's like going to Jamaican person. Oh, you're Jamaican. You must smoke weed. Like, what's a what's a good strain to smoke?
0: (laughs) Yeah, so ignorant to be fair. Yeah, I like that learning about people's cultures. I think that can benefit in so many different ways. Like, even in relation to like, I don't know, like starting a relationship or anything, because you you know there's there's nothing I really think there's there's nothing you know more beautiful than than you know multi-diversity and, and different people coming together and, and working together I I think you can learn so much from different like different types of people and I don't want to be around one type of person I'd, if I ever have children I'd, I don't want them to just you know go to boarding school with loads of white people I, I, they don't learn anything like, apart from you know the the moral dilemma you just it's not even practically good for them like um so i think that's a really beautiful premise to not premise i think that's a really beautiful thing to kind of end and wrap up oh on God. um thank you so much for joining me today uh this has been amazing really good discussion really lovely to have you and i'm sure people have have tons to learn about you now including me
1: well thank you for having me it's been a pleasure if your listeners want to know more there's a Instagram account called brown history uh, which documents history of asian people in the west and you know stuff they definitely wouldn't know certainly things i didn't know um, recent history as well from the 80s 90s personal stories of people uh, who've emigrated to the west um, and there's also a really interesting book uh, called Empireland by satnam sangra who discusses how Modern Britain has been shaped by empire. It's an interesting read. Go check it out. Have fun, guys.
0: Uh, if you'd like to hear more about the type of stories that we create and host and discuss, uh, you can visit our Instagram at, um, at The Wonky Adult Handbook or email us at wonkyadultpod at outlook.com. <laughs> but for now, I'm Emily and thank you, Kishan. And yeah.